theextraordinarychurch.ca podcast, where ordinary people experience extraordinary life in Jesus Christ. You are about to hear a message that will encourage you to become and experience all that Jesus Christ has for you. Are you ready? Open up your Bibles because something extraordinary is about to happen. I celebrate what God is doing, but this is the year of the shift. The Lord told me that in October 2019. It's the year of the shift. And when things are being shifted, they're being revealed. I want you to think about that for a moment. I felt like the Lord told us last weekend. He said, if you'll consecrate yourself, if you'll sanctify yourself to me, I'll do wonders amongst you. And so today I want to speak to you about the topic of rebuilding my altar. Rebuilding my altar. Look at your neighbor, whatever side you want to, and tell them, you can't lose your altar. Praise God. Look at your other neighbor, tell them the same. You can't lose your altar. Why? Why? Because your life revolves around God. Our lives revolve around hearing His voice, His word, the way we hear Him, the way we know Him. We have to have an altar in our lives. Amen. Why don't you help me pray? Lift your hands to heaven. Lord, we love you. We're so thankful for what you're doing in this place. We're totally submitted to your lordship. Our hearts are open to you, God. Speak to us. Speak through me, God. Anoint me to teach and preach your word with relevancy and with accuracy. Do whatever you want to do in this place, and we'll give you the glory, honor, and praise in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Amen. Praise God. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. We live uh, in a day where it's kind of like one minute we're up, one minute we're down. I don't know if you recall that or not in the times when we have been living in this COVID-19 life, but it's like a proverbial seesaw. One minute we're up, next minute we're down. Jobs are up, marriages are down. Jobs are down, marriages are up. How many of y'all know what that seesaw is like? Praise God. You need, to get, you need to get on a seesaw. If you haven't, you, you, you're not living extraordinary if you haven't gotten on a seesaw in a while. But you know what? The economy's up, spirituality's down. Economy's down, spirituality is up. Health is up, guess what? Happiness down. Health is down, happiness up. But there comes a moment where that seesaw breaks and nothing is up. Everything collapses and everything falls. And only then in those moments will we be truthful with ourselves and acknowledge that everything is not all right in our world. Everything is not fine. We don't sleep at night. We struggle with habits. We hold on to the things that we should let go of. And we let go of the things we should hold on to. Outside, on the outside, yes, everything looks tight. Everything looks right, like it's going to be okay. But this was kind of like, but the reality of it is, everything is not all right on the inside. And this is exactly what was taking place during the reign of Ahab and Jezebel. Everything looked like it was good. The nation was more prosperous than ever. Peace in our times was certainly their motto. Buildings were being built, and if you wanted to be a part of the who's who club, you can fit in. Then all of a sudden, trouble came. And it came in the form of a prophet. Praise God. Ahab said of that one man, Elijah, are you the one who troubles all of Israel? 
Elijah had called an end to the superficial good times. Let me just push pause and say that's what a prophet will do. Praise God. Prophet will come in and just burst your bubble real quick. He had pointed out to the heavens and said, you know what? You reign on the just and you reign on the unjust. But now let the unjust see how much they need the heavens. And that generous blessings of God begin to cease to flow. And then the pain began. Six months turned into a year. A year turned into two, two to three, and then three and a half years. And then the heavens stopped, the curtain was ripped back, if you will, and the tissue-thin facade was swept away, and the emperor's new clothes didn't look so good. Famine was here, hunger, this gnawing ache, everything was not okay. Sounds kind of like the world that we're living in today. COVID has ravaged our peace and our sanity and people are losing jobs left and right. People are looking for answers. Things have begun to become broken. We thought we might have been coming out out of it, but now we realize we're going back into another tumultuous time and it's being revealed that everything is not all right. The seesaw has broken, if you will, and Elijah shows up and he says, it's time to make it fine. It's time to correct it. I believe the Lord has sent me on an assignment today to the Extraordinary Church family. I have an answer, and I want to give you that answer. It's rebuilding an altar. It's time for us to rebuild the altars in our lives. It's time for us to get back to an altar and having an altar in our lives. So here's what Elijah does. He says, hey, I want you to gather everybody around. He literally calls everybody, the 450 prophets of Baal, those fair-weather folks, if you will, the 400 uh, priests of Asherah, those hedonistic purveyors of pleasure, all who eat at the king's table, bring them all, and then in addition to that, bring all of Israel. Bring God's people to Mount Carmel, and guess what? They all came. And look what happens. This is what he shouts, he being Elijah. Let me show you 1 Kings chapter 18. Verse 21, how long will you falter between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, follow him. But the people answered him not a word. Then Elijah said to the people, I alone am left a prophet of the Lord. But Baal's prophets are 450 men. Therefore, let them give us two bulls and let them choose one bull for themselves. Cut it in pieces and lay it on the wood, but put no fire under it. Then you call on the name of your gods, and I will call on the name of the Lord. And the God who answers by fire, he is God. So all the people answered and said, it is well spoken. In other words, the ground rules for this showdown have been set. The majority are in agreement, and let's go. You get to go first, majority. All day long, they cried out to the heavens, asking for a response. Their efforts were choreographed, well-scripted, synchronized. But the truth of the matter is, they were futile. Nothing whatsoever happened. Can I tell you, nothing will happen when you call on every false god. You can look to money, and it will let you down. You can look to drugs, and it will let you down. I know you love people. I do too. But you can look to others. Just keep living. If they haven't let you down, they'll let you down. But something happens when you call on the name of the Lord. If you would just begin to call on the one who will never let you down, if you just begin to seek the one who will never abandon you, he will show up and do a great work. 
Nothing happened as this choreographed production continued to go on and on. As a matter of fact, they became so demonstrative, the Bible says they began to cut themselves and slit their wrists all in an attempt to get their God to respond. But notice he didn't. As the sun began to set, after Elijah taunted them a little bit and said, well, where's your God? Is he, is he sleeping? Is he up? What's he doing? Can you get his attention? And obviously, they begin to act up all the more. When they were exhausted and the sun began to set, simply did, Elijah simply did this. He pointed out what was wrong. He pointed to an altar that was broken down and in ruin. And then he said, it's time to rebuild the altar. See, altars play a significant role in Scripture. I want you to know that an altar is, uh, is, is not necessarily something pretty and ornate, at least not a biblical altar like we see today. You could go to a fantastic edifice and you'd see something that is handcrafted and it's meticulous in detail. That's not what they had in mind here in Scripture. We need defining altars. Altars are messy. And can I just tell you, I just want to help you out. When I look back over my life, my life has been marked by defining altars. I'm talking about moments in my life where I decided to lay my will down. Moments in my life where I decided to lay my agenda down. Moments in my life where I died out to what I wanted, all because his will and his purpose reigned supreme in my life. And we need an altar today. See, Noah was the first man in scripture who built an altar, and it was a place of gratitude. Abraham built four altars. You all know I love teaching and preaching out of Genesis 12, 13. But Abraham, he built one of promise in the midst of his enemies. God said, hey, you know what? I'm going to take care of you. I'll take care of you. Look, the second is he built the second altar of relationship. He expressed his trust in God and his willingness to walk with him. The third is an altar of no return. Remember, the Bible says that uh, Abraham, or Abram, excuse me, went down into Egypt. And after he came to his senses, he came back up out of Egypt and he built an altar, the altar of no return. Let me just say, I'm not going back. I'm going to serve God. I'm not going back to the life I used to live. I've been living for Jesus for over 25, and I'm just telling you, it's the best thing I've got going on in my life. It never gets old. I have no desire to go back. Jesus is the real deal in my life. I'm thankful he's alive and well, and I'm at the point of no return. I'm all in on my relationship with God. The fourth is he built a fourth altar of possession. You made the promise, God, and I will possess it. Isaac built an altar to God during a famine. And, but what he was saying is, God, you are my source. Moses built an altar for God's protection. Joshua, after he crossed the Jordan. Gideon, after receiving the call of God on his life. Samuel, while governing Israel. And David, after a sin of pride caused him to number Israel, he too built an altar. We need altars in our lives. And when I think back over, I was talking to my wife last night, tears running down my face. I can name people by name. I would not do that, but I could name them by name. We were doing it. And I said, look, they're no different than they were in 1998 than they are present. They're no different than they were in 2000 than they are now. Why is that the case? They did not have an altar in their life. You need a point in your life, not just a point in your life, but you need a season in your life where you will get a hold of 
of God like Jacob got a hold of God and he became Israel. Everybody knew something had changed in him because he began to walk with a limp. I'm talking about those defining moments where you're just not living Christianity, you are a living stone where God is moving and working in your life. That is his will. We have to have an altar today. I know this isn't popular preaching, and I know, as a matter of fact, everybody's not going to get up, run, and hoop, holler, and jump. But can I'm telling you, can I tell you, this kind of preaching will keep you saved. This kind of preaching will keep you near the cross. This kind of preaching will help you have victory in your life. This kind of preaching will get your flesh under your feet. This kind of preaching will let you walk in the liberty and the love that God has called us to walk in. When you have an altar... But our problem is we don't have altars. Our problem is, can I just tell you, religion is risky. Religion is risky because you can invest in religion and you won't see any change. Because religion doesn't require change. Religion just requires, oh, you look the part. You know how to talk the part. You know those people. They claim to have faith in Christ. They claim to be followers of Christ. But where's the change? Where's the difference? Where's the brokenness? Where's the grace? Where's the forgiveness? They, 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 sound, they sound amazing, but where's the true transformation? They, they, they look amazing. Matter of fact, some of the best, ever, best people you ever see when it come to dress, but their spirits are foul. Why? Because that's what religion will do. Religion will kill you. But God called us into life-transforming relationship. He doesn't want us to have religion. He wants us to have a relationship where we're transformed by the renewing of our mind. I'm telling you right now, I need you to get this in your spirit. We can do a lot of religious activities and not see any transformation. But God isn't calling us to that. He is calling us to live an extraordinary life for him. I'll give you an example. I want, I want you to see this because, uh, see, what, what you notice is what I just walked you through in the Old Testament are all the significance of altars. But if you notice this, in the New Testament, let's go to Romans chapter 12. You all know this, but here's, here's the difference. Here's the difference. Oh, my God. There's one thing of being a hearer. There's another thing being a doer. The Bible says you can hear and not do and you deceive yourselves. You know what that sounds like to me? Religion. But relationship, look at this. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. A living sacrifice. Every day I die out to self. Every day I die out to the things that I want. Every day I deny. Here, I know what you're thinking. Well, you're thinking, man, listen, carnality. We think carnality is raucous and, and rambunctious and grotesque sins. And there's an element to that. But the reality of it is our carnal mind, which is what he's talking about here. Look at verse 2. Let's show him verse 2 of Romans chapter 12. Look at this. It's here. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. What the Lord is trying to get us to understand is we need an altar. See, when they would take the sacrifice and put the sacrifice on the altar in the Old Testament, they would slay it. They would kill it. Would he get up? 
be right there on the altar, not moving whatsoever. That's it. But you know what we do? This is why. This is why sometimes you ever had a moment where you could be in the presence of God on Tuesday, like Tuesday morning. You like weeping, crying, and then like Tuesday night. Some of y'all not even Tuesday night, like Tuesday at noon. You're like, what, well, what happened? Because you got to stay on that altar. See, what we like to do is we like to get on the altar. Oh, yeah. All to Jesus I surrender. And then you know what? Come 12 o'clock. Oh, I'm done. I'm good. Oh, oh, you know what? Oh, God, I'm going to give you my finances. That relationship, Ooh, that's too hot. I can't have that. No, that's what, that's, you know what? No, no, that's what we do. No, seriously. Oh, God, I, I, I'm, 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 I'm going to give you the relationship. I'm going to die to that, but that unforgiveness, uh-uh, I don't want none of that. We like to try to pick and choose, but the reality of it is God is calling us to lay our lives down. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. God is pulling us. God is pulling us. Why? Because he's trying to get us to understand it's going to require an altar. There isn't a new devil for the new level God wants to take you to. There's an altar. There's an altar. The enemy that's trying to fight you is you need to just look right in the mirror. I'm telling you, God has called us and he sent me on a mission. You might not, this might not be popular, but it's okay. I'm going to preach it nonetheless because it's the word of God. We have to have an altar in our lives. I'm so sick and tired of religion. I want to show you something. Let's go to 2 Chronicles 7, 14. If my people... Now, check this out. We love quoting this. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves. Let me just say this right now. You'll never humble yourselves if you don't have an altar in your life. You won't do it. But if you have an altar in your life, you'll be willing to humble yourself. I want you to understand the development and the progression here. And I want you to understand the prerequisite of how important it is we follow Scripture. Watch this. Humble yourself. Pray and seek my face. See, right there it tells me you can pray and not seek his face. That's right. See, you can sing and not worship. This is why God didn't call us to this. This is why he wants us. See, remember Jesus tells this amazing story of this guy who was religious and this other guy who wasn't, right? Came in, the guy religious, man, looked good. Three-piece suit. He was like, Lord, it's just good to be in your presence. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Man, he just, he sounded like the psalmist. He was like, oh, just, I'm lifting up my hands without wrath. I love you, Lord. He said, you've been so good in my life. He said, when I think things over, when I look back, I mean, he, he, could, he could just, every song, you name, he just could sing it. And, just, and then he looked, and he saw this other guy praying. He said, while I'm at it, Lord, you're so good, I'm just, I'm so glad I'm not like him. Look at him, can't get right, acting a fool, beating on his chest, crying out, screaming, have mercy on me. I thank God I'm not like him. And then, then you have the guy who was like this, on his knees, pounding his chest. God, have mercy on me. 
the very thing that I don't want to do, I find myself doing. I'm nobody. I don't even deserve to be in your presence. I'm just asking, would you give me another chance? Would you hear my cry, oh Lord? God, I need you. I'm lost without you. I can't make it. It's not falling out his nose, tears streaming down his face. And Jesus says, whose prayer do you think the Lord heard? He didn't hear the religious man. He heard the man who was humble and broken. The man who, was, who did not care about popular opinion. Can I tell you, if you want to experience the extraordinary in your life, you need an altar. He said, pray and seek my face. That's why we have to seek the face of God. Not our will. When you get on the altar, you say, not my will. Not what I want, not what she wants, not what you want, but what do you say, God? Now check this out. And then turn from their wicked ways. Then I'll hear from heaven. Did you hear that? If there's no humility, if there's no prayer in the direction of God. See, you can pray. And be aimlessly. That's what he talks about, vain repetition, direction. A lot of times when we pray, we just give God a list of what we want. Lord, you know, I really could use that 2023 uh, vehicle. And while you're at it, let me get a, uh, some new shoes. And uh, uh, mama want a new bag, praise God. And I don't ever want to get sick. No, I want to get a raise. And you know what? Uh, while, while you had it, wifey could use a raise too. And we just kind of go down the list of everything we want. Everything we want. And if he doesn't do that, oh, God ain't hearing my prayer. I don't understand. No, 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 no. Humble yourself. Pray. Seek my face. Turn. That's what repentance is. I feel the Holy Ghost. God is calling us to turn. Turn from our wicked ways and turn to him. Why? Because God is trying to reach us. It's his goodness and his mercy that's calling us to a place of repentance. God is trying to tell us we need altars in our lives. So let me just be plain with you today. You want to know if something's not going right in your marriage, you need an altar in your life. Something not going right in your home, you need an altar in your life. Something out of whack, you need an altar in your life. If you're wondering where the presence of God is in your life, you're wondering where the approval of God is on your life, you're wondering where God's going to come and snatch up the sacrifice, it's because you need an altar in your life. An altar where you offer him a sacrifice of praise. An altar where you offer him something that costs you something. But if you're serving a God that costs you nothing, can I tell you, we get those same results. But God has said, come and lay down your life. Come lay down your will. Come lay down your agenda. Come lay down your purpose at my feet and watch me do something in your life. Come on and clap your hands unto him. Hallelujah. He's called us for such a time as this. We all need halters in our lives. And here's the thing that I love about this. When you think about an altar, we think about these edifices, like I mentioned, these construct that were so perfectly constructed and fit so well. But scripturally, it was just a pile of stones, jagged edges and everything. Nothing smooth. And you know what that means? He wants all of us. He wants the rough edges in our life. Praise God. He wants all of me. And so what happens is this. 
the show has almost come to a stop and 850 people are shouting and screaming and screaming at the heavens and Elijah walked up a little bit and looked out over the people and then he began to stoop down, rebuild the altar. The altar that was broken. He began to gather up the pieces. Could this be what the problem is with our world today? The altar is in ruin. Maybe this is the problem in many marriages. No altars. See, altars, A-L-T-A-R-S, altar, A-L-T-E-R. They modify our behavior. They change the tenor of the home. Look at Obededom, by the way. He took the altar of God, the ark of God, into his house for 90 days. His home was blessed. Why? Because God was the focus of his home. God was the epicenter of his home. Everything that they did revolved around and pointed to the ark of God, the presence of God. Can I tell you, restore the altar, and it will restore you. Restore the altar, it'll restore your health. Restore the altar, it'll restore your peace. Restore the altar, it'll restore your marriage. Restore the altar, It'll restore your home life. Restore the altar. It'll restore your sense of well-being. Only God is the one who can put things together and keep them together. But we have to have an altar in our lives. Where was Elijah doing all of this? I don't know. Maybe he was there helping Elijah. Maybe not. But I do know this. We have to rebuild the altar. The altar that had been neglected. The altar that had been ignored. The altar that lay in ruins, not through overuse, but through lack of use. Look at what happens here in 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 30. Then Elijah said to all the people, come near to me. So all the people came near to him, and he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. And Elijah took 12 stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord had come, saying, Israel shall be your name. So I'm going to list the 12 tribes of Israel. Judah, I will praise the Lord is what his name means. Here's your stone. Reuben, see a son. Here's a stone for you and your family. Gad, which means good fortune. Here's a stone for you. Asher, happiness. Here's a stone for you. Naphtali, my struggle. Here's a stone for you. Manasseh, you have made me forget God. Here's your stone. Simeon, one who hears and obeys. Here's your stone. Levi, Issachar, and Zebulon. Here are your stones. Joseph, which means may God add. Here is your stone. Benjamin, Son of my right hand, here, are, here is your stone. What he was doing is rebuilding the altar. We need to rebuild the altars in our life. I'm telling you, God has sent me to gather around everybody that's at EC at our 1 o'clock and at our 3 o'clock to rebuild the altar. The source of your abundance is represented in the altar. God is calling us to rededicate ourselves to him so that we may see miracles, signs, and wonders. And an altar in your life will show your spirit. And the lack of an altar in your life will show the spirit. An altar in your life will show your devotion. Or a lack of an altar in your life will show the lack of your devotion. Billy Sunday, an evangelist from back in the day, said it like this. One can no more be a worldly Christian then the devil can be a heavenly devil. <laughs> Think about that for a moment. God is calling us to put away some things. Praise God. I know it's tough, but last week we saw God do wonders, miracles. 
But during this year of the shift, God has revealed a handful of things. And we have to be willing to look at ourselves in the mirror and say, God, I need to make this right. I need to make this right. You know why I'm okay holding on to bitterness? Because I don't have an altar. Do you know why I'm okay watching things that are ungodly and that are toxic to my home and to my spirit? Because I don't have an altar. Do you know why I'm okay with telling everybody I'm a Christian but living like I'm not? I don't have an altar. Do you know why I'm okay without any transformation? Because I don't have an altar. Do you know why I lust for the ordinary but don't experience the extraordinary? Because I don't have an altar. Do you know why miracle signs and wonders are not happening in my life? Because I don't have an altar. God is calling us here today to a place of repentance and it's only his goodness it's only his mercy it's only his grace that say now is the time to repent for my kingdom is at hand and what I want to do in your life is extraordinary but you have to humble yourselves and say you can't do it without me I don't want slick marketing thank you I don't want slick marketing. I don't want gimmicks. Yes, do I want things to be extraordinary? Absolutely. But I'll tell you what's extraordinary. The presence of God. The power of God showing up. We can have everything you want. State of the art, everything. Couldn't mess anything up. But if lives aren't being changed, who cares? What God wants is to bring us to a place where his goodness will say, now is the time to abandon everything else that doesn't please me. Now is the time to lay it down, cast it aside, pick up my joy, take up my, take up my spirit, and watch me do a work in your life. Praise God. Why don't we lift our hands? Praise God. Come on, why don't you begin to talk to God? Why don't you begin to worship him? Why don't you begin to bless him? Why don't you begin to allow him to search your heart? Why don't you begin to gather up the stones in your life? Why don't you begin to acknowledge, I need an altar in my life. I've I've left the altar in my life. Come on, you want to know what's going on with your kids? Get an altar. You want to know what's going on with your family? Get an altar. You want to know why you haven't fulfilled perhaps the purpose of God in your life? It's not because somebody's sitting on you. It's not because somebody's resisting you. It's because you don't have an altar. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Perhaps this is why we are where we are today. Because our altars are broken down. Perhaps in our busy lives, we don't realize it, but all we do is worship the gods of productivity and pleasure. My God. You know, we get caught up in so many things that aren't biblical. I just refuse. I refuse. I'm not saying I've got it all together, but I do want you to know that if it's not in here, I don't care. This is why traditions, don't get me wrong, Alex, I enjoy family traditions like, you know, holiday season. I get to cook during the holiday season. I don't say I get to cook, but, you know, praise God. I, I love it. I love it. Sweet potato pie, you know, whipped potatoes, and macaroni and cheese. Praise God. You feel that, don't you? See, she knows it's good. Praise God. 
can. That's that joy. That's not the Holy Ghost, praise God. It's, it's that joy, that, that food of the, I can, you, look, just, yeah, you can't even hide it. You got a mask on. I can still see you smiling. Praise God. But traditions, religious traditions, make the Word of God of no effect. God wants us to abandon those traditions. Praise God and stay in the book. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. I feel him calling us. Calling us to know him. Calling us to climb up on that altar and die. You know why? Unforgiveness is robbing you of your joy because you don't have an altar in your life. You want to know why habits have run havoc, wreak havoc in your life? And you can't control what you consume, where you go, and how you get there? No altar in your life. You want to know? You want to know? Can I just be truthful with you? In love? And God's doing this. I'm telling you all this in love. But you want to know why you can't break through and worship God like sometimes how you feel? No altar in your life. No altar. No altar. But you know what? For those who are willing, say, man, you know what? It ain't going to be pretty. But I got to get on this altar. I got to pull out this knife. And I got to slay this thinking that says it's all about me. I have to slay this thinking that says, how can you do this to me? I have to slay this thinking that says, something's not right. It's choking out my joy. When I read the word, I'm not experiencing what I see in my word. Could it be that I'm not in alignment? And I'm not in alignment because I don't have an altar. God wants to align the church with his will and his word. And an altar is what we need to get in alignment. Could it be that if you're playing religion, but you're tired of religion, and you want a relationship that can change everything that can be changed, could the altar be the answer? Praise God. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Join us next week for another message of hope and life in Jesus. If you like what you just heard, we hope you'll pass along our web address to all of your friends extraordinarychurch.ca We are a young church plant with a lot of people living an extraordinary life in Jesus. If you're looking for a way to become better connected to what God is doing, email us info at extraordinarychurch.ca We'd love to hear from you.